morning, ACF. How are you guys doing this morning? Welcome to church. You guys, some of you are awake, and I want to welcome you guys. The ones who are asleep, you'll get it. Uh, my name is Stuart. I'm one of the pastors here at ACF Church. Um, I think you picked a great Sunday to be here, a great morning uh, to be in this room. I'm super excited. We've had uh, the next gentleman uh, who's going to be delivering our sermon today up several times uh, throughout the years. Uh, and one thing I know is that I am struggling financially to deal with the continually rising costs. Interest rates are high. It changes the way that my family has is living currently. I know for, for almost all of us in this room, that's, that's the same. Uh, this gentleman, uh, Joe Sengel, has, uh, he lives, eats, and breathes finances. Uh, he is intelligent in this area. He's, he's a guru in this area. And what I love is it's not just so he can build a kingdom. It's be, he has a heart and a passion. If you've spent any time talking to him, he has a heart and a passion uh, to share that knowledge so that we will love God and that we will use and view money uh, and our finances as a tool and not a master. And so I want to welcome Joe Sangle to the stage. Would you help me do that? Appreciate it. Good morning, ACF Church. Who's fired up to be at church today? Yes. I will say fired up at least 10 times. I only met it eight times in the first service, so I apologize. But I am fired up, and I know many of you are as well. Uh, my first time that I was able to come here was in 2016. I've known your pastor uh, for about 10 years. We met when he came to a conference that we were both attending. And I was hearing about what God was doing at ACF Church. And every time I come here, I'm just amazed at how much God has moved on your behalf and I just want you to know that your generosity, the impact that you're having uh, through Hope for Alaska, Impact Alaska, everything, that it's, it's reaching out way beyond Alaska. And so I just wanted to say that uh, it's such an honor and a privilege to be here again. And we're going to talk about money. Who's fired up about that? Yeah, that's awesome. Five people are very fired up. Uh, money is fun if you have some. How many of you know that? Uh, now, now I, was, I met with some coaches. We've trained some financial coaches here at ACF that will meet with you for free. Uh, they won't sell you anything other than the hope and love of Jesus. Uh, and the hope you get from where you're at to where you need to go. And we were doing some refresher training. And uh, one of the things I shared talking about inflation is that for the same payment that would get a $300,000 mortgage two years ago, that same payment will only afford a $178,000 mortgage today. So let that settle in. But how much have house prices went down? Yeah, right. And then how much have food costs went up? Energy costs went up. And it's a challenge, isn't it? Hey, listen, we'll get through this challenge with the Lord's help. That's the truth. And uh, I don't know about you, but I know one of the names of the Lord is Jehovah Jireh, our great provider. And so I came today to bring you great hope because that hope is birthed in the Lord. And we're going to talk about money, and, and it's, it's based on this fact that your money matters to the Lord. Your money, the money that you handle, it matters to God. And so it, Psalm 24.1 is the operating verse here, and it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. It's all God's. And what does that make us? It makes us managers, right? And in fact... I, I recently uh, purchased, uh, a couple years ago, a 238-acre farm in South Carolina where I live. It's full of a bunch of trees, and after I purchased it, I was wandering around the whole property to figure out about the property, and as I was walking through the property, 
I stumbled across an old car, a very old car. Um, it, it looks like a gangster's car. Um, it may have been a gangster's car because both doors are open and the rear end has bullets holes shot in the back of it. Um, I, now, my dad knows every old car like he knows, like he knows them. And so I took a picture and sent it to him, and he said it's either a 1948 or a 1949 Chevy. He needs me to dig out the taillights a little bit, and then he'll be able to tell me for sure. He knows it to that detail. Now, when I saw the car, I had two thoughts. The first thought was, that is a cool car. The second thought is, someone has been on this property before me. And I was reminded again that while the deed says that I am the owner, I know the reality. I'm just a manager. That should the Lord tarry and I pass on from this earth, it'll go to someone else. Make sense? I'm just a steward. I'm just a manager. And how I manage that, well, that matters to God. It also matters to me. And if you think about money, if you boil it down, there's really four things you can do with money. If you boil all the activities down, I think there's four things. Let's think about it. Um, This is going to be the fill in the blanks for everything if you want to fill them all in early, right? The first thing is you could give it. You could give money. The second thing you could do is, is you could save it. The third thing you could do is you could invest it. And the fourth thing you could do is spend it. And that I'm I'm doing four this way. Isn't that weird? Like normally you do it this way, but you could give it, you could save it, you could invest it, or you could spend it. True? Yeah. Yeah. And and money, life costs money. How many of you know this? Everything in life costs money. Things happen, and it's a challenge because listen. When, you, you, when you're going through life, the only thing that costs nothing is something that's dead. Dead things cost no money. But if you're living the dash, which is between your birthday and your death date, it's going to cost money. Sometimes a lot of money. Like, has anybody ever had a furnace die? Anybody ever had a furnace die? What day does the furnace die? Right? On Sunday, on the coldest day of the year. That's when a furnace dies. Right? And when you have no money. Can I get a witness? And I mean, when you look in your high school yearbook, where I see myself in 20 years, I'm sure you did not write down, I'll be paying cash for a furnace. It'd be amazing. But it is important, isn't it? And so we're going to talk about these four activities that we can do with money, because if your money matters to God, then each of these activities matter to God. And so let's go through them. The first one is your giving matters to God. Your giving matters to God. And I want to help you advance in your, in, your, in your finances today because everything in life directly or indirectly costs money. Anybody here have young daughters? Anybody have young daughters? Raise your hands if you have young daughters. All right, let's pray. Jesus, you see these hands? Bless them, Lord. Remind them you're a prince of peace, not of fear. When I share this number, amen. The average cost of a wedding in America right now? $35,000. Get fired up. Pastor Stewart, he introduced me, has five. Really pray for him. <laughs> I have two daughters. I said, I'm a licensed, ordained minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can marry him. And we'll get married in front of the red barn on the farm. And I'm tired of my chickens anyhow. We're going to have chicken and eggs for the dinner. We'll buy a dress at Goodwill. And we're going to get out here for about 75 bucks. How do you think that went over? Like a submarine with screen doors. That's how it went over. So I'm saving. But your giving matters to God. And, 
And it says in Proverbs 3, 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, and then, everybody say then. Then. then your barns will be filled with overflow, to overflowing, your vats will be brimming over with new wine. Here's what I know in the human experience. We get fired up about the overflow. Woo, Lord, send it on down, I receive it. But I went to Purdue University, I studied mechanical engineering, I barely graduated. I have no A's in engineering classes. Um, be glad I'm not in engineering anymore. Um, I, my 2.64 GPA was brought up by my A in indoor flower arranging. Not kidding. But I did learn a few things, and one of them was in computer class, we would write these if-then statements. If this is true, then this is true. If this is not true, then this is not true. And this is an if-then statement. Proverbs 3.9 is an if-then statement. If you do what? Honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your crops, then. Make sense? God wants us to put him first, and we, he wants us to be known as givers. Christ followers should be marked by living lives of generosity. To God and to other people. Whenever you give, you need to be reminded. I want to remind you today that you honor him, and, and you bless others, and it positions you for blessing. In, in fact... I want to kind of connect your dots to this and make it personal this morning. Um, I want you to think about a gift that you've been given during your lifetime that was pretty meaningful. Like, maybe it was when you were a kid. Maybe it was last week. Um, I want you to think of the gift, and I want you to think of who gave it to you. Okay? Like, I want you to think about I want it right here in the front of your mind. Okay? So if you have it, kind of nod at me, okay? So true or false, when you were given that gift, did it bless you? Some of us get emotional when we think about the gift because it was that deeply meaningful. Let me share about a gift like that that I received. Um, I am the youngest of six boys. My mother and father had four boys. They really wanted a daughter. So when that youngest one was about six, my mother was in the hospital to deliver their fifth and final and their prayed for daughter. It was an hour and a half before April Fool's Day when the doctor said, I just detected two heartbeats. You're delivering twins. Get fired up. (laughs) That was an hour and a half before April Fool's Day. A half hour later, Um, She had my identical twin brother, and seven minutes later, I showed up, get fired up. So I'm the baby by seven minutes. And she said, I'm not trying for a daughter again. We'll have triplet boys. I'm through with these fool boys. Now, I'm 14 years younger than my oldest brother. So I remember at my graduation party, I was 18. My parents had had boys in the house for 32 consecutive years, and they were over it. I'm not, like, it became very clear the graduation party was for them, not us. They didn't mask it with the gift they bought us. They bought us luggage. I'm not kidding. Pack up, get out, right? Uh, You think I'm joking. They were not joking. And so, uh, that gift was not, maybe it's not helping my point here. Um, I, I don't remember any other gift I got that day except for one. And it was for my friend Jason's mother. Let me tell you the story of Jason and his mother. So me, me and my twin, my brother's name is John, I'm Joe, his name was Jason, and 
we had another friend named Jamie. If you like wrestling, they had the four horsemen. We were like the four J's. Where one was, the other three were. It was awesome. And uh, Jason had a different upbringing than the rest of us. Um, Jason's mother was from another country. Uh, She had met a U.S. soldier. They fell in love, moved back to the States. They quickly had three children. When she was pregnant with the fourth child, which was my friend Jason, for reasons unknown to me, his father left and never came back. He never had his father in his life. Shortly after, she developed chronic illness where she could not work, and they lived completely dependent upon government assistance. So get the picture. Government housing, government food assistance, like poverty. But it was just my friend Jason. And, and it was such a challenge for them. And I remember they were at church every time the doors were open. And just, we grew up together. And I'll never forget at my graduation, me and my twin are sitting on these stools. And his mother comes up. She was about this tall. And with her broken English, you know, said congratulations and gave each of us a card. And in the card was a, a thing that holds money. And when I opened it, it had a single dollar bill in it. And she told me in her broken English that she had ironed the dollar bill so it would look new. In fact, I brought a picture to share with with you of it. Let's see if we can put it up here. That is the dollar. That's his mom, Evie. And in that moment, I was overwhelmed because I knew her story. She couldn't afford to even give me a dollar, but she did, me and my twin. And I remember jumping up and giving her this big hug and thanking her and in my mind saying, I can never spend this dollar. And I filed it away and and I found it two years ago and I had it framed and I have it sitting outside my office and I have this passage of scripture at the bottom, I want to read it for you. It's from when Jesus watched people giving. It's found in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watch the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury for those of you who think god doesn't care about our giving watch this many rich people threw in large amounts it does not say that's a bad thing but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents but watch this this moved jesus's heart calling his disciples him jesus said truly i tell you This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything. All she had to live on. And I experienced that moment with my friend Jason's mother. And it reminds me, every day I walk into my office, that it's not how much you give, it's how you give in proportion to how the Lord has blessed you. And I wanted to just tell somebody today who's struggling, don't discredit the impact God could make with what you are able to give. Because when you give, watch this, it matters to God, it honors Him, and it blesses others. I'm sitting here telling you that it's the greatest personal gift I've ever received in my life. And it was a dollar. Get fired up. The second thing that I wanted to share with you is your saving matters to God. Your saving matters to God. Now, when, when we think about saving, uh, a lot of times we think about how saving protects us from obstacles, right? Obstacles happen. 
Anybody have any financial obstacles this week? Anybody have an appliance fail? Anybody have a car fail? Anybody get sick? Anybody have a job layoff? Has anybody ever had these things happen? A disability happen? An emergency trip out of town? Your young son said, hey, y'all watch this and you got a medical bill? Hey, I know I'm the youngest of six boys. My oldest brother threw a hammer in the air and watched it come down and hit him in his own face. I mean, <laughs> obstacles happen. And, and Solomon writes about it in Ecclesiastes 7, 12. It says, wisdom is a shelter as money is a shelter. He's saying it provides protection. But the advantage of knowledge is this. Wisdom preserves those who have it. I come to tell you famines happen. Financial famines happen. But I'm, I, I, while I look very young, I'm 49. I'm about half a century old. I keep my hair cut really close because something's happening to my hair over here. It's turning this weird color, silverish. It's kind of odd. I'm, not, I'm very confused at how this has happened. But, but I've learned that these things happen in cycles. And you can't control it all. But what you can control is saving. And it will allow you to encounter these obstacles and navigate your way through them. I'll never forget one very large obstacle. Has anybody ever watched the movie The Money Pit? Has anybody ever lived in a money pit house before that just gobbles money? It just chews money. It doesn't even care how much you spent last week. It's like you ain't seen nothing yet. And it chews through some more money. Well, we bought this house called 103 Edisto. That's what the house, you mention it in my wife's presence, she might fall out. I mean, it was very special. I mean, it was so bad that my electrician walked off the job because we had torn off the ceiling of this fixture-upper, and these people who had added an addition to the house obviously did not get it, um, code, you know, did not get the building permit, and they sat there, and instead of buying a regular rafter, they put together two-by-fours, three or four of them. It looked like a porcupine had speared it with the known nails. The whole thing's falling in. We had to remove the whole roof. Like, I don't want you to think we removed shingles. Like, we had no roof. Like, blue sky, no rafters. The, everything's leaking. Had to tear everything down to the studs in the whole lower level. The bottom AC unit died. The upstairs heat pump died. The hot water heater went out. I mean, if we were just making our 700th trip to Home Depot. I'll never forget this moment. And we're, we're, <laughs> I know none of you have ever been this way with money. And my wife was walking along the sidewalk in this, bush hit her leg and she got so mad and we live in South Carolina that she went to kick at it and because you know she's still being refined by the Holy Spirit and when she kicked at it her flip-flop flew off and went up and landed on the second floor roof of the house and we collapsed into giggles we've all had obstacles and and Saving matters because if you don't save money, you're going to have the obstacles anyway. And you're going to constantly be distracted from the mission and the calling God has for you. And I just want to speak to this because I've went around in life blaming God and blaming others for my problems. And in reality, I was the problem. Because I, I was going around saying, you know, Satan's been attacking me and my finances. Meanwhile, I have a car payment, a truck payment, credit card payment, student loan payment. I owe my mom and dad. And Satan L. Lucifer hadn't signed up for any of that. The, the name on the car note looked remarkably like my handwriting. And I just came to tell somebody who's 20 years into your working lifetime, if you still have nothing, 
Hey, I, I want to tell you this because it's my calling. Hey, the moment I stopped playing the victim and said, I have to take accountability before the Lord, and I know challenges happen, but I had to say no more. And it got in me. And when I started reading these scriptures, and I read Proverbs 21.20 that says, The wise store up choice full and olive oil, but fools go up theirs down. I, I started saying, hey, no more. And I said it, and I, it sounds very serious when I say it, very fired up when I say it, because I'm serious. I didn't care if I had to live in a Maytag refrigerator box. I was through living with no margin. Hey, what are you willing to do to get some margin? We started saying this magical two-letter word in our life called no, and not now, and wait. You ever been there? And then this day came where we got a, a budget. I, I didn't want to do a budget. I'm a spender. I'm a talented spender. I have a spiritual gift of making money disappear. Who has that gift? I mean, I, I drive by the car lot. The trucks wink at me. It's unbelievable. I mean, I'm very talented at this. And my wife came in one afternoon while I, I'm planning, I, I'm taking a nap because I'm watching Chicago Cubs play baseball. And she's like, Joseph, what do you think of this budget? Well, I'm a spender. What do you think I think of the budget? I burst into poetry. My name is Joe and the budget makes me say no and that interrupts my flow so it's got to go. <laughs> but then I realized it's an engineer. It could be an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> I ran into the computer room and got on my Gateway 2000 computer. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. The cow box. Put together a budget. And we did something crazy. We actually followed it. And I realized that savings not only allows you to encounter obstacles without having to come down off the wall from your mission, it allows you to take advantage of opportunities. Hey, listen, I have a word for somebody today. I feel this strongly. There are opportunities literally right in front of you right now. You will never see them until you prioritize saving. You just won't see them. You just, you will not see them. Obstacles and opportunities, your savings matters. So how are you doing with it? How are you doing with your giving? Your money matters to God. How are you doing with your saving? The third thing is your investing matters to God. You're investing. Now investing is different than saving. Saving, safekeeping, obstacles, investing has some risk. Ooh, very creepy. Yeah. Who here does not like risk? You don't like taking risk. I don't like risk. I'm a human. You are a human. We don't like risk. But investing has some risk. But it, what it allows you to do is to not only bless your family, it allows you to bless the multitudes. You can see it in the early church. Proverbs 13, 11 says, Dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Who's glad it says little by little? I'm so glad. But we, we see it's important as you invest to d diversify. It says in Ecclesiastes eleven two, Invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight, you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. Got to invest. Got to spread it around. And, and I, I'll never forget... Uh, one of my early exposures to this, I was trying to teach my father how to trade stocks on the online websites when they first came out, like E-Trade, Schwab, Fidelity, all those things, but E-Trade was one of the early ones. And, and my dad, now he's 85, y'all. He, he knew Moses personally when he was a teenager. 
So computers, he knows a lot of things. Computers are not his bag. So I'm over here trying to teach him how to do it. I quickly realized this is a lost cause. But, but I, 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 I transferred $2,000 of my money uh, to this account to show him how to buy stocks. And I bought four stocks, $500 each. And I was showing him, you know, click, click here, trade, okay, review, hit, hit process, right, buy. And he's like, is this where you turn the computer on? Right? For real. It's like, I quickly realized he was hiring me to do it. Anyhow, I kind of left it alone for about four years, five years. And uh, and then my friend and his family were going to go to Disney World. And I was like, I want to go to Disney World. So I went and looked at the account. And those $2,000 had grown, the investment, so much that the growth was enough to pay for my family to go to Disney World for the week without him using the initial investment. And I hadn't worked for any of it. And Disney is magical. All your money will disappear magically. Can I get a witness? Now, we didn't have to fly, uh, but, but we, we were able to drive there. But I, I was reminded again, this investing thing is very powerful. Because it allows us to do amazing things. It says in Proverbs 14, 4, Where there are no oxen, the manger is empty, but from the strength of an ox comes abundant harvest. So let me ask you a question. Which would you rather have, emptiness or abundance? Let's think real long and hard about this. Oh, choose abundance. Investing is how you get there. And and what what I've learned is that the only number God cannot bless is a zero. You multiply any number times zero, it stays at zero. When my kids would first get exposed to multiplication, I would I would try to boggle their minds. I would tell they're like seven years old. I'd tell them, you know, what is one million one hundred thirty-six thousand three hundred seventy-eight? And you can see their eyes like, I'm not going to be able to do this one. And then I would say, time zero. All of a sudden they go, ding ding ding, it's still zero, Dad. It's the truth, isn't it? If you're praying for an abundant harvest. And you're not investing, you're just going to stay at zero. It does not magically happen. God has a process of sowing, then reaping. It goes in that order. Amen? And so I challenge you with this. Many of you are investing, and you know this to be true. If you're not, look, look at this. There's real estate investors in Acts 4, 33 in the early church. It says, God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. That there were no, everybody say no, no needy persons among them. Why? For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. It was distributed to anyone who had need. It's amazing. Uh, I first came here in 2016. At the end of that year, I bought a commercial lot near the highway with the idea that we may build an office on it. Our team was expanding we had about 20 employees, and we needed some space. We were renting space, and we are thinking about building a building. Well, we had a, we, I spent some money on some amazing plans. If you want them, just email me. I'll send them to you. Because we had just finished the plans in February of 2020. Get fired up. We can nice, start a nice fire with those plans. And uh, so, in fact, in that, in that time frame, another guy had built a beautiful commercial office and panicked, and I was able to purchase it at less than the down payment would have been for the other one I was going to build. So I did that. 
And I've kept the lot, and over the years, I've had multiple unsolicited offers for that property. And, and every time I would say, God, do you want me to sell it? Because I'm holding it with an open hand. It's an investment. It is not mine. I am the manager. But it matters to God. And, and as I was driving past it uh, in, in June this year, I, I went and looked at it, and I literally had God speak to me I, and say, it's time to let it go. And I called one of the people that had reached out to me, and he said, thanks for calling me. And on Tuesday this week, we signed the lines, and he purchased it. And an unbelievable return for us. And I think it's interesting. I sold, he bought, we both think we got a great deal. Think about that. That's the same thing with stocks, right? You sell, somebody else buys, you both think you got a great deal. Isn't that weird? Can it be that both are true at the same time? And so I would just tell you this with investing. Investing allows you to do amazing things. You know what I get to do this week? I get to give an incredible tithe on that. And I can't wait. I'm so fired up. Because the Lord blessed us. And we're going to be able to save some. We're going to invest some. And then we're going to do the final part here. Your spending matters to God. We're going to be able to spend some which is fun. All the spenders are fired up now, right? Yeah, get fired up. Proverbs 21.5 says, the plans of the diligent lead to what? Say it. The plans of the diligent lead to what? As surely as haste leads to what? So look at this writer here. Solomon's saying you could have profit or you could have poverty. Again, which would you choose? Yeah, profit. Money left over. Abundance. It's almost like that oxen verse of emptiness and abundance. Do you remember that? We all pray for abundance. We all pray for profit. And when you look at that verse, the writer says two things yield profit. A plan that you're diligent with. Do you see it? That could also be called a budget. Come to the financial learning experience at 1 o'clock. I'll show you how to do a budget that actually works. But I, 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 I ask the question. I have to ask the question. Do you spend money with a, with a plan or without a plan? You know, the moment my bride came in with that budget and said, what do you think of this budget? It was an ordinary Sunday. Just an ordinary Sunday. I had no idea that 20 years, two months later, I'd be sitting here having just completed our 242nd month of budgeting. That 14 months after that, we would pay off all of our debt except for our house. That three years after that moment, I would be able to leave corporate America and, and negotiate a 50% pay cut, get fired up to go to work for a church, follow me for more income reduction tips. <laughs> but can I just speak to that? Greed has invaded the American church. We only think it's godly if it means more for us, but sometimes God's trying to snap to our attention so that we can still prosper but with less. And so we stepped into this, this ministry, and, and even with that, we were able to pay off our house at age 38, and we've been able to see God move in an incredible way, and it's because I, we, we, God got our attention that our giving matters to Him, our saving matters to Him, our investing matters to Him, but our spending matters a lot too. In 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, there's this great verse from Paul to young Timothy, he says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, 
but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And then he gives us some commands. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous, to be willing to share. Do you see it? There's been two don'ts and five do's there. Don't be arrogant. So if you're arrogant, knock that off. Don't put your hope in wealth. It's uncertain. And he gives you five do's. Four of them are related to generosity. Put your hope in God, right? And be generous. Be rich in good deeds. Be willing to share. Do you see it? Do good. In this way, verse 19, I love it. They will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they can take hold of a life that is truly life. Oh, that is so good. Hebrews 13, 5 says, keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. Why? Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So how are you doing with your spending? Are you seeking the Lord's guidance on it? You know, when my bride and I prepare our budget, I have a copy. I am such a nerd. I know it. I know it. I know I'm a nerd. I have a copy of all 242 budgets. Every one of them. I have a copy of the budget when we we really were begging God for another child and we had waited 10 years and it includes in vitro. I have a copy of the budget when in vitro didn't work. I have a copy of the budget when God said, watch what I can do, and we found out we were pregnant without maternity insurance six months later. I have a copy of the budget when we got to pay cash for him nine months later at the hospital. And every one of them is a reminder that God cares deeply for me and my family about the calling in our life. And I think one of the great things we miss when we don't plan it is we don't have the history, the landmarks that we can pull out and say, look what the Lord has done. Because I know me left my own devices. I'm a spender. How do you wrap up a message about money? Because this stuff is hard, isn't it? Why is it hard? Because we're humans and we have eyes. Do you have eyes? Do you see four-wheelers? I see four-wheelers. Do you see side-by-sides? Do you see? I, I run the Sherp in Alaska. I've seen a Sherp. If you've not seen a Sherp, Google that. Right? I, I have eyes. Do you have eyes? And, and I, I, have, I have this heart that will run away. And these minds can run away from us, can't they? It's like Randy Orton in Out of Nowhere, RKO, another wrestling reference. But if we continually refocus our mind on the Lord, if we continually find ourselves in his word, I do it every morning. I call it bread before breakfast, right? It's God's word, the bread of life. Friends, when we do that, then all of those decisions, those money ones, those giving, the saving, the investing, the spending, they'll be in conformance with his word. and You will live the life that is truly life. Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much for this great church. God, I thank you that this church is a beacon on a hill, literally, of generosity. God, as I flew here, I wore my Hope to Alaska shirt. It's more than just a t-shirt, Lord. It's bringing your message of hope and love to people who are desperate for it. 
God, I know this topic of money, can, it, it has ruined relationships. It's broken business relationships, marriage relationships, relationships between siblings. God, it can be so overwhelming. Where do you even start? God, I pray today that you would remind us that you are Jehovah Shalom, the Prince of Peace. And I, I pray that you would remind us that you're Jehovah Rapha, the healer. Heal the hurts. Lord, if we need to forgive others, help us to make the phone call today. Help us to go have the conversation today. Lord, may we be found to be people who are outrageously generous, that we save. And Lord, as you reveal opportunities to us, help us to be investors, investors in your work, investors in the financial world, Lord. And when the blessing shows up, we be found faithful as faithful stewards as we spend it and manage it. Jesus, we, we thank you that you died and you gave a gift that none of us could ever repay. You paid a debt of sin. You give us life forevermore. We'll never get over your outrageously generous gift. And it's in your name we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. As we continue to worship today, we're going to have a